Hello, 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 and welcome back. Um, we might have a special guest in a little bit. Not saying who, no spoilers. We don't do that here. Um, listen, it is great to be back. It has been about a month now since the regular crew have been here. So it is nice to see everybody again. Uh, this episode is sponsored by Phoenix Rising. No reason other than they asked to be. So thank you, Phoenix. Um <laughs> Um, before we start off the show, we do need to say um, there may be a new USL show uh, podcast. It's the same show. It just may be coming up under a different feed. We're working on some stuff behind the scenes if we can't figure it out. It's still going to be called the USL show. It's still going to be called all the same things. It's going to be having all the same people. It's just we're trying to figure out some logistics stuff. So if we suddenly stop uploading, look up the account and there might be two. We might be uploading to a new place. Just thought I'd give you a heads up. Um, but listen, it's enough about that. We have a lot to talk about tonight. And so uh I have a quite I'm gonna have two questions for us. A how are you? And B, it's gonna be what is your favorite meal to cook when it's cold outside alan you don't get to say anything <laughs> i'm gonna just to go ahead and get some thoughts flowing i'm gonna be honest with y'all i've make a pretty mean bowl of chili that is my favorite when it gets cold outside chili is 100 percent the way to go so i'm going to toss it over to the person wearing a hockey jersey ryan I'm doing okay today. Uh, obviously, a lot of very big news out of U.S. soccer. The most notable being that Salt Bay is not allowed at the Open Cup final this year. <laughs> on top of everything else, but um, yeah, I'm with you. Chili is has to be one of my favorite. Uh, just kind of fall wintertime meals. My dad always made it um, just on Saturdays during the fall. But if you had to ask something that I personally would make, um, I really enjoy doing a chicken wings in an air fryer and then just uh, putting a lot of hot sauce on it. Love me some uh, hot wings. Love me some hot wings. Such a guilty pleasure of mine. John? Yeah, um, well, I'm doing well, first and foremost. Happy to be back with the crew. Um, I've sort of been on a kick since Thanksgiving where I've just been making stuffing randomly in like portions that are decent and not that unhealthy for one human to eat. <laughs> so it's a nice comfort food at this time of the year. So that's kind of my go-to. Do you add celery? I think I have to just because it's like the traditional thing. I'm normally not a celery person, but you get a little bit of herbaceousness or whatever from it in the dish. Fair enough. There's also a celery seasoning. Great sub if you <laughs> want to add a different veggie in. Just a thought. Yeah. Um, Alan, what's your favorite food whenever it hits like 72 or whatever happens in San Diego? I was going to say, I just don't put ice in my iced tea. I think that's, that's <laughs> when it gets a little, a little chilly. Uh, no, um, no, things are going all right. Um, I know we just got sponsored by the, by Phoenix rising, but, um, I also just got word that I was traded to New Mexico for a international roster spot. So <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work out. Um, Phoenix is is apparently stocking up on those. Um, no, um, it does get cold in San Diego. I know people don't really believe that, but uh, it does get it does get chilly, like fireplace sweater. Not like I'm going to go outside and possibly die, but like <laughs> enough that you're like, I'm not going to go outside right now. Um, but 
my wife makes this thing we call Mexican gumbo, and it's That's essentially we take we take like those uh, rotisserie chickens you can get at the store, and we use some of it for like a Caesar salad, and then the next night make broth from the leftover bones, and then you add like canned tomatoes with peppers, some bell peppers, uh, black beans, the chicken. They're brothy cooked, and then you make some rice, and you put it over the rice, and it's a sounds pretty good guacamole or avocado because we can get those here. I know those aren't a thing everywhere, but yeah, it's a, and then we eat with chips. It's a, it's not really like an authentic thing at all. We're not claiming it to be. I mean, look at me. This is, <laughs> but it is for a chilly night. There is nothing quite like not quite soup. Fair enough. I know for my. Uh my personal chili that I love oh so much. I do a whole bunch of, uh, I let my, the meat, so I do beef in mine. Um, and I let it marinate in a, a chocolate, like flavored beer, like a chocolate. Yes. yes. And then just a touch of cinnamon and add poblanos and jalapenos. Love it. It's so good. Um, the chocolate and the cinnamon gets you sort of skyline adjacent, dare I say it. I, after spending a lot, because my family lives in Cincinnati and I've had so much skyline, I've still yet to like it. There's something about eating (laughs) chili spaghetti that really freaks me out. I enjoyed skyline when I lived in Ohio and still have it whenever I go back. It's fine. It's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh, well, um, listen, Again, ton of news to go over, and there is a whole lot of stuff to to go over. But you know, while all the news and all these signings are happening, and we're finding out that Memphis is moving to Charleston, and apparently New Mexico is now with Phoenix, um, Omaha's coach Mim, Coach Mims resigns, and everybody was very very shocked. You know, the stuff that's just coming out about it, the little that we've heard is that he just left. There, It wasn't a mutual parting of ways like you see whenever, you know, to like a team and has another idea and the coach has another idea. He just left. This seems bizarre. Very bizarre. In a way, it almost seems like he maybe thinks that things have gotten stale there. In terms of the results, this wasn't the season that Union Omaha wanted as a follow-up to a title-winning campaign. Um, I think they finished fourth uh, or tied for fourth on points, but they ended the year on a seven-game winless streak. They crashed out of the first round of the playoffs. Uh, they were near the bottom of the league in terms of their goal scoring. And this has always been an, a, a defense-first team, but maybe someone with a strong resume like he has, who's been linked with USL championship jobs in the past, figured, I don't like the trajectory of where we're going. I want some time to myself. And I trust the fact that based on what I've built here, somebody is going to take a flyer on me going forward. It definitely seems like it's something that he could find another job within US soccer fairly quickly, especially moving up into USL championship for the upcoming season if someone wants to take a chance on him. But you certainly have to feel for Omaha as you see other teams like One Knox and a few other teams across the league making signings that and it, just trying to find that kind of next step in direction moving forward is 
very crucial for this time of year. I, I did hear he was lobbying for Berhalter out on Twitter, and I don't know if those two things are related. Uh, but yeah, it is pretty shocking anytime you see uh, someone who is linked to a franchise that was uh, successful for as long as it was. I know it's not like super long, but it's still like Omaha cemented themselves as one of the contenders in USL League One. You know, there were some question marks in this offseason, right? We even talked to uh, some from the front office like, hey, what's what, you know, what's it like to kind of have to rebuild? You lose, you know, Conway and Hurst move up the championship. So there were some question marks. And and the fact that I think they were hanging around and, and were uh, in that playoff picture, I think, speaks to what the organization wanted. And again, I do I do think it is kind of shocking without knowing a lot of the details and I'm not one to speculate, um, but yeah, I, I I think you know the the thought of it maybe it, it things weren't heading in the right direction, or hey, you know maybe this isn't the right spot for me personally right now. You know, there's a lot of that to go in it too, right? You're you're dealing with people and families and lives that you know maybe there's a a family issue there that he's like I can't be in Omaha right now. I need to be somewhere else and. And I, I hope that's not that because that leads to like hopefully his family's okay and hopefully he's doing all right. Um, but I do think you know this is a probably one of the big shockers of the off season was was this announcement because um, sometimes you see these things coming. Um, but yeah, you just gotta hopefully for Omaha they have some names figured out and hopefully for Mims he's you know he's gonna land in a, a good spot and he's doing he's doing well. You know. I'm, I want to say this, and I don't mean this as like a, a parting shot at Mims at all. He's a fantastic coach. There is no doubt about that. But the one thing I think has been a consistent this year with everybody who's watched Omaha, they had great nights. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, they have made it through, you know, the U.S. Open Cup, and, you know, they made those runs and put a lot of teams on notice. But – they looked awful at home. They could never put it together at home. But whenever they played in Omaha on a not baseball field, they looked great. And I wonder if it just felt like the team wanted to make certain signings and didn't really put factors into pitch size. Because especially Geo pointed out, the first time that Greenville and Omaha played uh, against each other it was their first match in Omaha and it looked like the team had no idea how to deal with how small the pitch was and I don't know it never felt like it got better and so maybe there's something with that just the pitch size is an issue the club can't sign the right players to fit that kind of system or maybe he just simply doesn't have a system to fit that kind of pitch but I don't know. Just real quick, no team in League One played more long balls, played a higher share of their passes forward, and had less defensive actions. He had kind of, I guess, become a mockery of himself where the system that was defensive but pragmatic had maybe lost the plot a little bit. So I think it's a good move for everyone involved maybe to kind of freshen things up. For sure. So moving on from that, we have gotten some scheduling drama. Um, people shockingly have found out 
that uh, Las Vegas is still in the league. Um, La- Las Vegas also today found out they were still in the league, so that was fun. Um, it was – we have found out that it is indeed going to be 12 and 12, 24 teams, and it's going to be playing home and homes with your conference opponents. And you get a quote-unquote balanced schedule, as Alan has pointed out, and I'll let him do it himself. It's not really. Um, but, you know, we get that. But also, as they kind of snuck it in there, everybody's going to make the playoffs. Everyone's making the playoffs. And if you don't, God bless your soul. <laughs> like, that's rough. I accidentally pointed out that it was uh, three-fourths of the league. It's actually two-thirds. I suck at math. Um, don't never ask someone from Alabama to do math. I promise you I can't. But uh, the schedule – Alan, I'm going to go ahead and let you jump in first. Why is the schedule not really balanced? Why is this a facade? Yeah, so it, it's nice that it's balanced in conference, right? But now you have teams either playing on the road or at home against particular teams who may not play well on the road and play better at home, right? If you're especially west to east, right, and east to west, you were talking about travel. Like, I think Pittsburgh hit it on the head as far as, like, we're one of the furthest east teams, right? Like, think about Monterey Bay traveling to Tampa Bay or Tampa Bay traveling to Monterey Bay. Those two team, those two games are going to be – different right so depending on who gets who away and who home that might tip some scales now like it seems like everyone and their mom is going to make playoffs so maybe there's not um it's not going to be the the backbreaker that it might be normally but um it's a little bit disingenuous to call this a balanced schedule um i i do like that everyone plays everyone in like home and home and away in, in their conference. And then you see the, the other conference at least once. I like that. That's kind of neat. Um, but to call it quote, a balanced schedule is, is a little bit of a stretch uh, when you factor in, like you have to play these games in real locations and someone's going to get like a loud in at home and someone's going to get loud and on the road. And those are two distinctly different matchups. Right. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. Um, I'm personally not a huge fan of the 18 playoffs at a 12. Um, I, I think um, limiting the amount of teams who make the playoffs makes the regular season more important. Um, you know, whether it's top two seeds in the next four or it's just four of the 12 make the playoffs, I think that makes some of these regular season games uh, more engaging and more important. Um, now it's like, you can be the San Antonio Spurs and you're going to rest Tim Duncan for a couple games because second and third place, there's not a huge difference between those. So we're going to rest somebody. We're going to get third. and We're going to be all right with it because we're going to get some home games and be able to go deeper in the playoffs because we rested some guys. You know, I do want to throw this out just real quick because I was talking about it and as fans and as competitors for the players and as competitive competitors for the coaches and competitors for the front office. Yes. This means that the playoffs are going to mean a little bit less just because we're going to get some rough teams in the playoffs, you know, the, especially in the East that cutoff from seven to eight was rough. Um, Heck, I mean, 
sorry, Detroit City, but even you were stumbling into the playoffs a little bit. It, you know, it was not looking great all the time. Um, obviously, the West, there was a little bit of a wrench in that because everybody was bad in the West, but also good in the West. I'm confused about the West still. And it's a simulation. But even though the regular season means less and, you know, competitively, it all means less. Financially, the playoffs mean more. They just do. And more teams are going to get a home playoff game. And guess what? That is going to help save a club. I know we hate talking about it because it makes us sad and makes us afraid about the state of the league, but there is not a lot of money here. There's just not. And a home playoff game, a playoff game in general, is going to save a club. And that's straight up the reason why playoff money just hits a lot different. I want to push back real quick on the idea that the seven to eight gap in the East was that bad last year. If you think about, I mean, Tulsa finished in that spot, but they started playing the kids and looked awesome at season's end. Uh, Indy 11 ended up beating basically every team that was worthwhile down the stretch, weirdly, because Indy going to Indy. <laughs> Mark Lowry, he exists. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I know I made the joke about um, the league should have just had 22 out of 24 teams make it or whatever, but at the end of the day, who complains about more soccer? And does it really devalue the playoffs when people in this country don't care about regular season titles in the same way that Europe does. And yes, it's it's a trend across pretty much every sport at this point to get the extra revenue, have those extra opportunities to show off your club and build that excitement in the community. I like the idea of like a classic MLB pennant where it's just a best team against best team kind of thing, but there are other realities that are working towards the idea that maybe the expansion of another club is useful for what the league is trying to do. And with keeping in mind that expansion is still going to happen down the road with Milwaukee, et cetera. So keep it at eight, see what gives. I'm willing to give it a try. Maybe, sorry, Ryan, I was just going to say this. Maybe it feels different this year with the MLS two bottom feeders out maybe that does give the playoffs a little bit different of a vibe. I don't know. I mean, with the expansion now to eight teams in each conference, you uh, lose the number one seed having that kind of first round buy. So there could be the upset in that first round. But even if you look at some of the teams, like if you had, say we just went with a four team playoff, three of the top three teams in the East were settled for pretty much the second half of the season. And the only drama was for who's going to get that fourth seed and, I think what really helps with that is that we still have a lot of these meaningful games down the stretch that instead of saying, oh, the top four have been settled, some of these games just don't matter. Now we're still fighting for or seeding in the playoffs. We're fighting for see who's going to be that team that gets in at the last second on the last day, that there's still going to be meaningful games across the country rather than just focusing on the eight or so teams that really have a chance at making it into the postseason. And even then, once you get there, you could still have that team go on a magical run and make it into the cup final. I want to throw this idea out there because I think we should just do it. And I think somehow line it up that every single USL final day, decision day, all happens at the same exact time. 
you know, watching the World Cup and just seeing, trying to figure out results and getting results live, that was awesome. And if we could get actual decision day drama, you know, out of especially the West this year, that was awesome. That would have been incredible this year. Do an I early window and do an early window and a late window. All the East games are at four o'clock Eastern. All of the West are at seven o'clock Pacific or whatever. Like, figure it out so that you can have a clean distribution. Keep people with their eyes on USL all day long. Especially if this ESPN thing. There's no domestic soccer on ESPN. If yeah. you can give them the rights and have, you know, Mike Watts, Devin Kerr, whomever, whomever else is on the call, you know, updating the people watching. Oh, in this match that we're watching right now, the team that's winning needs to score one more goal or they're not making the playoffs or they're not getting that top seed. That's just an incredible watch for the viewer at home, too. Set it up like they do the final day of the season where you do goal rush like the Premier League does and have like key in on one focused match, but then check in on all the other games that has a goal scored. You can even do some like wraparound shows in between the two as well. Like you're putting on this giant product and and keeping people engaged the entire day. Um, I mean, obviously people are going to go to some of these games, but like if you're thinking about trying to, to, capture a moment on a day like having some content in between the matches i think helps with that right you recap what's happening you set up what's going forward you only have what like 45 minutes you know it's 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 doable um and i i think it could be a really nice moment for usl um whether or not you know a broadcasting partner decides to do it like all it takes is a sponsor to be like we'll sponsor it and it'll it'll happen, right? Like so, I do like that idea a lot, especially with having, you know, you're you're balancing conferences, and it is, you know, as equal as possible um, in conference. I do think it, it's it is a possibility, and it's I think could drive some excitement um, and, and drama outside of the normal folks who watch USL. It's like, hey, there's just going to be this, everyone's playing at the same time. You know, things are going to shift, placements are going to shift um, as the day goes along. I, Did we lose Alan? He's frozen, and he says <laughs> that San Diego isn't cold. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Rest in peace, Alan. We'll... We'll add him back when he is alive. But I, I do, I completely agree with where he was going. I, It just, it feels like they really are uh, like just one sponsor away from being able to do something incredible and being able to show that the second division is not as bad. It's not quote unquote minor league that everybody thinks it is. Um, I really hope they get that ESPN deal done. They, they kind of have to, if not, they, it, it's a mistake. Yeah. A massive mistake. I don't know what ESPN would be asking, but pay it. <laughs> like, do it. Um, I mean, it, the USL eats most of the production fees already, so I don't know what the whole – yeah. I mean, it would just – on a whole lot of levels, it would be crazy yeah. if it doesn't end up back there. So let's go ahead and move on um, because there a lot of people have been tweeting us. We have been getting messages from clubs, from players, from fans, from the fans of fans, from everybody saying family members of players, family members, a lot of family members of players, actually, 
Um, hey, hi guys. Um, <laughs> if you're a family member of a player, please reach out in the DMs. Um, <laughs> but like, we've had a lot of signings and people want to know where their team stands. People want to know where is our club fit in this. But before we drop into that immediately, because we're going to start off with League One because there are some teams making some moves in League One, and there's also some teams that are starting to freak out from their fans just a little bit. Um, I do want to point this out, and I've talked to a couple of front office members across the league and, you know, various positions, president, GM, so on and so forth, and I've gotten the same sentiment that these big signings and these big deals are not done and just wait till January 3rd, which is when the transfer, like the transfer uh, deadline day, not, or that deadline opens the winter deadline opens for everywhere. That's not the U S and there are supposed to be some decent sized moves from what I've been told going to other parts of the world. So starting in January, we're going to start to hear more of those rumors of players going off to Europe, to Asia, so on and so forth, because that January 3rd day is coming up. So you might hear a couple rumors here or there about that, but we're going to start seeing it ramp up as we get closer to that January, the beginning of January. So keep an eye on that. Two weeks from today. Oh, is it two weeks from today? How about that? We could be, <laughs> are we going to do a transfer deadline show? That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> but let's go ahead, start off. Listen, one Knox has come out swinging. They, they already had a great team last year. Uh, someone who I've been in love with when one knocks was uh, Moses uh, Mensa. He is a left back, right back, left back for um, one of the fullbacks for them. And he is incredible. And so they, and they also had a goalkeeper that was really, really good back in league two. And then they decided to sign all the good players pick some guys from the championship that were pretty good here, get them into league one where we're assuming that they're all just going to month one of, you know, Bajev in league one and just absolutely massacre everybody. Now the rest of the year, we won't talk about that, but listen, one Knox has made some crazy signings, including one of the best league two signings um, that they've made today. Yeah, and the League Two sign on, signing is uh, Matthew Val Winkle, who uh, comes up from the uh, Long Island Rough Riders, who had 11 goals and 12 appearances last year. And that really just kind of like reinforces the platform that League Two products can move into USO One to find success at that kind of next level. Um, anecdotally, they signed a player from Scotland who I actually saw play in Scotland in 2018 when he was out on loan from Aberdeen with uh, Greenwich Morton. That was uh, Frank Ross. I saw him play at uh, Celtic Park and at uh, uh, Greenwich Morton as well. So that's just kind of a weird anecdote and just one of those small world signings. But yeah, One Knox is really kind of making a statement with all their signings kind of moving forward this offseason. I, yeah, I like a lot of the guys they've got from the championship. Obviously, um, Ilya Illich, there are questions about the health there just because of the last couple seasons. But on his day, 
he's comfortable in that kind of nine, 10 hybrid role. He's a physical player who do well in a forward line where he's joined by Bo Winkle, who uh, shout out to Brandon Mays, USL league one review as always for getting ahead of that one scouting wise, posting months ago about how good this kid is. Um, but Jake Keegan also coming in from Greenville. Um, he's got more than 20 goals in the last couple of seasons total. He's a veteran. He's going to do good things with that team. And then one more shout for Angelo Kelly Rosales, who they got from Pittsburgh. He's a guy with a lot of championship experience, good head on his shoulders positionally. Like this team has a spine already that you think is going to go toe to toe with anyone in that division. And not just that, talk about, I mean, you talk about Jake Keegan. Let's also talk about how important it is to have league one talent right because we've seen other teams try to come in and say well we'll just bring someone from a bigger league and we'll we'll just piss the league and we'll win it all i mean look at i mean i know we're not mls pod but look how many mls teams try to just sign european talent because it's european talent and then suck because the mls is a weird league um they have signed pretty much the entire richmond backline um <laughs> they have decided hey Richmond just, you know, completely massacred the league last year. They were easily the best team all of last year. How about we sign those players? And they've gotten a couple of Richmond guys. And, you know, they got a Jake Keegan who has been around the block a time or two. Um, arguably one of the best. And for a while had a shot of being the best player in League One. They have gotten guys who can do it at the League One level. And it's really exciting to see. On the other hand, though, Richmond has been hemorrhaging players. They've brought back a couple. You know, obviously, you bring back a, you know, all USL League One player, two-time MVP, I think, um, and two-time, three-time uh, Golden Boot winner. Um, he uses both feet, so maybe should be boots. I don't know. Um, and I, they have they have been losing a lot of key players. And in reach in Richmond, things are getting a little bit worrisome. I know some people are like, "Don't worry, trust the process." This happens every year. Um, my good uh, friend Brett Gardner, who calls the Legion games, said it best himself. He said that the USL is very incestuous. All the players just get circulated amongst themselves. They just go around everywhere, and they'll eventually come back home. Um, Richmond has lost a lot of players and people are saying this happens every year, but after having the year they did, it feels different. Especially to lose someone like Ethan Bryant to a, a MLS next pro club. That certainly has to hurt. And just from the wider USL, that's certainly kind of a blow against the league to lose someone like that to an external league. Same with uh, Ford Madison lost a player to Chicago fire. Um, I'm blanking on the name off the top of my head, but I mean, yeah, it, we saw a couple of those signings, but I will say it feels like it was less than last year. Last year we saw what felt like a mass exodus in MLS next. It feels like it's been a little bit less this year. It was last year. It was a lot of uh, St. Louis city sort of poaching a lot of uh, like Juan Cousin, uh, Josh Yarrow from San Diego, as Ellen would know. The Bryant thing is a big deal. Obviously he was league one's young player of the year. Uh, he had a stint with San Antonio, U.S. youth national team experience, just a really good creator in the middle. I kind of think it's healthy that we're seeing a lot of interchange between Next Pro and the various tiers of the USL. 
I think there was, I mean, because historically you've seen so many of the people who succeed at your Galaxy 2s, your Bethlehem Steels, either make the cut in MLS or join a better championship side. So the fact that that pipeline is staying alive is a positive sign, whereas much of the off the field relationship between the two leagues seems to be rather negative. So I think you can spin that in a positive way, but it doesn't help Richmond in the short term, certainly. And another example of that would be uh, like Marco Michelato, who had left uh, Tormenta to join uh, Columbus Crew 2, who ended up winning MLS Next Pro this past year. And uh, it was Eric Leonard, uh, Kaler, who you were thinking of for Madison. And Ford Madison also signed uh, Stephen Payne uh, from Richmond, um, who was a really underrated left back in the USL last year. Um, I said before the season he was going to be, you know, newcomer of the year for the league. Um, unfortunately, Sterling, who decided to come from Tottenham, who I think adds to the list of players who left Tottenham and won a trophy. I think that uh, he makes a new player. So congratulations, Tottenham. Sorry, Ryan. Um, and I don't know. I mean, Richmond just, it feels like they need to start making signings, not just for the team, but for the fans. Um, I mean, I you could also say the same about Las Vegas, I guess, because Las Vegas is also, and I guess kind of moving on a little bit, segue in, uh, Las Vegas is starting to do the one thing that no team should ever do. It's one thing for... The worst, the best thing that a thing could happen for a club is for people to like you. The second best thing is for people to, you know, or the best thing is people love you. The second best thing is that people to like you. The third best thing is for people to hate you. The worst thing that you could have is people to feel indifferent. And people are starting to really feel indifferent because at least with people hating your club, they're thinking about you. The moment you become indifferent, you become forgotten. And Vegas is quickly becoming becoming forgotten in the league right now. I mean, yeah, they, they haven't announced a thing. I don't even have comment on it. They announced that you can buy old uh, jerseys, old player worn. Oh, they're big on the they're big on the promotions. They're, <laughs> they're on the, uh, the player signings. Um, maybe they can sign Jose Canseco. That'd be fun. <laughs> I mean, I don't know where you put him, honestly. I mean, my well, he's brain a big was... physical center back for me. He's really great with his head. He hit a ho- he <laughs> scored a home run <laughs> on a header, right? I think I'm... so. I mean, it's tell him, yeah, tell center him back or that big imposing old school number nine. I think it was the only <laughs> two places. Target man, put him up there on the seven v seven league where there is no offsides and just lump it up to him and pray. <laughs> Look, but there's other teams that have been making some news, and there's a lot of signings that you can go a lot of places. And the one that we kind of talked about earlier is New Mexico is making some noise this offseason. But I also want to throw in the caveat they did last season too. Um, But I don't know. It feels like the quality of player that they're bringing in is does this seem to be a step up from last year? Uh, barring Nico Brett, of course, who is just all world striker. If you think about what they've added, where they're bringing in talent, I don't hate the decisions they're making because the issue last year certainly was goal scoring in a lot of ways, where 
you cycled through four or five strikers. You never really had somebody grab that spot by the neck and take it over. I think Greg Hurst has the potential to do that. I think Santi Moar, if you look at it statistically, is due for a rebound, his goal scoring. So even if you don't get a perfect number nine who's going to be up there with the golden boot leaders, you've got someone who's going to bang in probably 10 goals and you've got a secondary source. That said, the defense wasn't that strong last year. Chris Wien is looking a little bit weaker as a creator as he's getting up there in age. It's an interesting situation where I think that they could have targeted their additions in a little bit more of a discerning way to improve this team. So they're better, but they could have been better in a better way. Fair enough. Um, Another team that I have been a big, big fan of what they're doing um, is Hartford. Um, Listen, they bring in Tab. We all know the name. We all know the pedigree. Um, and he's pulling players. He is pulling some players out there, which I've always said about Hartford. They've had a wonderful fan base. They have a fan base that deserve more and an ownership that, that need to act like they cared. Um, the best thing to happen to Hartford last year was their coach getting a red card and immediately sitting down in the stands and just staying. That was the best thing to happen to them last year. Now we're starting to see some really, really big moves for them. Very exciting what we're going to be seeing out of the Northeast. Anthony Hopeno obviously being the major signing going to Hartford this year, and it's something that really just shows an intent that they want to kind of push for that playoff spot. And them alongside Indy 11 are like the two teams that I've been looking at really improving this offseason to make it a more interesting race for the postseason this upcoming Year, I mean, you're looking at a Hartford team who was nearly 20 points outside of the playoffs this past season, and just improving with Hopeno as one of these signings is a really big step forward for them. I mean, hope hope or not, um, it, it's going to be a it's going to be a fun project to keep an eye on. Was that is that too much? Is that too much of a too much of a stretch? Now, I was going to say that Anthony Hopenot kid looks like he's going to do some some fun things. Uh, but yeah, you, you, I mean, it's exciting to see these guys to change teams and see what they can do. Obviously, you know, the caveat is like games aren't played on paper unless you're a, a football manager guy. And then they're, they're kind of played on paper in that case. Uh, but I, I do think you're looking at trying to bring in quality USL championship players. Um, I think it's smart if you're trying to build for the future as well, right? You're, you're trying to establish a new culture a new identity. And so if you can bring in uh, some veteran players that are able to establish that identity, they can build for and, and bring in young guys on the back end. I think that's smart um, with the, the New Mexico stuff to go back to that. Um, you know, Santi Moore was really dangerous um, when he had other guys to kind of play with and other guys were kind of being targeted. Right. Um, when um, Asante left Phoenix and it was more placed on him um, I'm not sure he is the guy like he's not going to be your number one, but he's definitely a guy that if there are people are keying in on other people, he's going to be a guy that can get that secondary scoring. And I think, you know, that's what he's the strength he's going to bring to New Mexico with with the talent that's going to be around him. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't blame Hartford for for trying something and it's great that they're trying something right. This is the 
the argument we have with some of these teams that are like, well, we'll just be kind of like good enough and we might make the playoffs and we might not. And we're just going to run the team out there. It, it's really nice to see a team like Hartford with a, a, a engaged fan base really try to do something. Um, so I'm, I'm hope hopeful for hope and to be successful. <laughs> I do want to say with Hartford real quick, despite all the additions and all of that, they sit eighth place right now in my projected standings. That's playoffs, man. That's playoffs. That's true. Miami's sniffing hard with basically half a roster and no additions announced. I think I'm kind of low on what Hartford has added outside of Hopano. They brought back a midfield that was really poor defensively and that is going to still be too offensively tilted. The defensive additions they've brought in are decent but no one is going to blow you away with what they're doing and there isn't a goalie on the roster right now so that's great that you're going to get some more goals but this was a team that was scoring three to six goals a game down the stretch and they were still managing to blow every single lead so i think that they're ha i mean it's halfway through the off season there's plenty of time left but there are some caveats for me with this hartford team I was going to bring that up, um, and it was this. I mean, people always talk about, well, they kept around the core. They kept around the squad, right? Like, we hear it especially in college sports a lot. Like, this is a veteran-led team. It's like, that's great, except they sucked last year. I mean, you're bringing back right. the same players that sucked. And I know that sounds, you know, rough for Harper because they had their moments. But you can also look at a team that's bringing back talent. And on paper, you could say they didn't do that great. But if you watch the matches, you know they did. Monterey Bay has brought back an incredible core. And they have added Dixon on top of that, who was one of the best, if not the best, like right, right midfield, right wing player in all the USL. And that's really what they needed last year. They were going to out-defense you. We all knew that. The only reason they couldn't out, the only team they couldn't out defense was San, was San Antonio, and that's not fair. Um, I mean, they brought in Dixon, which is an incredible signing, and they brought back an incredible core on top of it. So I referenced the projections a minute ago. I've got Monterey tied for third in the West right now. Um, I know we just talked about the fact that Hartford bringing back a core might be a little bit destructive for them. Complete opposite with Monterey, who really figured it out down the stretch when they had that comfortable pairing of uh, Hugh Roberts and uh, Green at their center back spots when they randomly found out that Sam Gleadle can be the weapon in a counterattack. They turned out to be a quite solid team. So when you add an all-league caliber player in Alex Dixon, I think that's a lot to be excited about for this team. Yeah, Monterey has all the stuff that you really want out of a core, right? Because you bring back, I think, the entire back line, right? Um, definitely both that center backs. Yeah. Everyone um, on multi-year deals, by the way, which is crazy unique for this league. We're seeing a massive influx of multi-year deals this year, which for fans who maybe don't understand the weeds and you're listening to us to try to get a little bit of an insight, multi-year deals is a sign of stability. It just is. You don't bring in multi-year deals if you don't think you're going to be around for multiple years. Duh. That sounds like such a no-brainer <laughs> statement, but – 
also the teams that are going on these one year with an option and that's all they do be a little bit concerned about that maybe that's a front office decision and that's just a mindset of we don't want to keep someone around for a long time but it also could be we're not going to be around for a long time um and monterey being able to do that legion got a whole bunch of uh, multi-year deals done which was really cool to see um a lot of teams are doing it now. Another team that brought back a strong core was Allen's Loyal. Uh, the only person uh, that was, yeah. Uh, there was three three players, I think, left. Um, one of those um, we don't have to talk about because he wasn't really good enough to talk about, even though he wishes he was. Um, and the other one is Kyle Vassell, who was frankly always leaving because he's trying to get more teams than Corey Hartzog. He has to do <laughs> At all times, yeah. And the third was uh, Jack Metcalf retiring, which uh, we're gonna miss. Um, but I, I think um, I, I think more and more teams are looking at building slightly more complex systems. I know that's San Diego's mo, and the more people you can bring back, the less introduction to complex systems you have to teach. Right? Uh, Nate Miller taking over the reins is another big. I shouldn't say big move. It's like nothing's gonna change. Right? It's like it, it, it's. Landon Donovan was essentially like a celebrity chef at his restaurant, right? He shows up, uh, he participates in training, but ultimately like Nate Miller was the guy. Right. Um, and so he bringing back that, that the players, I think Nick moon coming back and being healthy is going to be a, a big, a big win for San Diego. Um, and, you know, I want to circle back to Monterey Bay, like Monterey Bay. This is an example of what good coaching does to a team. Very well coached very difficult team to, to play, especially down the stretch. Like those games San Diego was playing against Monterey, you can see the market improvement that Yala brought to that team. Um, and so I'm excited to see where that team ends up. That's a team I think neutrals can really get behind and root for because they are a little bit of an underdog. Um, and, and, and some of their players are really, really uh, rootable, right? Hugh Roberts is a guy that I think a lot of people – uh, support uh, Anthony Siaha, their goalkeeper, had was playing like on his head for for long periods of time uh, down the stretch as well. We'll see what happens if he can bring that over a course of the season. Um, we've yet to to see that, right? Uh, he came in kind of halfway through and really took over the reins of that goalkeeper exactly position. But halfway, yeah, yeah, we I, I we like we loved him in San Diego. Uh, he got it. He got a start at a number one position and he he took it and congratulations to him and i know a lot of people are rooting for him to be successful except for a couple times a year um and i I think it's really shows also the stability of the league that teams are willing to commit to people long term and bringing cores back because i think fans start to create emotional relationships with their with the players and for a long time in usl it was like you support the badge and the guys are going to come and go but now you're having these teams bringing these guys back over and over again and you're really starting to see their personalities and you're seeing their you know, get to know them and their families and they become part of that community. And I think all of those things are really positive for the league um, in, because USL is a little bit baseball, right? It's a little bit individual pockets, small communities. Um, it's not a national thing. And so the more people you can get to stay who build roots in that community, stay on afterwards, they work in a front office, they're working in the community afterwards as an agent. And so I think it's just really, really good to see teams make these investments into players long-term and then long-term pass their careers over, right, and then support them through that. So 
Um, I know San Diego folks are really happy they're bringing a lot of these guys back because they do build relationships with with the players. Um, and so it's, it's great, not just for the soccer on the pitch, but also what happens outside. And to see players still want to buy into a system or like just entrust their careers within these clubs, it's huge that uh, the loyalty that um, a club shows them that the players kind of just repay over the years with staying into a system has been huge. And it's just really important to just kind of help build these relationships like you had mentioned, Alan, um, moving forward. Uh, another uh, move that I really wanted to highlight was uh, Sebastian Quinzati moving from uh, Tampa Bay over to Indy 11, another team that had finished outside of the postseason last year that is really trying to kind of make another push towards that kind of postseason and signing someone like Winzotti is a really huge step for that. Yeah, I mean, that one just kind of came out of left field. Um, it was like, hey, the Rowdies are letting him go. And it was like, ah, oh, maybe he wants to go closer to home. Uh I think he's from Uruguay, I think, off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, and it's like, maybe he wants to go back to Uruguay. I mean, it's a beautiful place. I'd want to go back there, too. I get it. And then a little bit later, Indy starts teasing. And it's like, hold on. Now, wait a minute. And then the USL makes the announcement before Indy does, which was comical. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, look, Mark Lowry is a guy that has – you know, gained and earned a lot of respect around. And for a guy to who is the all-time leading goal scorer for a very notable club in, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, this – I'm just free taking free shots today. Um, this isn't like, oh, leading goal scorer in Loudoun United history. Like, okay, so am I. Don't worry about it. Like, this is the leading goal scorer in Tampa Bay Rowdy's history, and he left. They mutually <laughs> – cut off the contract to go to Indy to go would be with Mark Lowry. That's incredible. And what pool that is. So I can say that Guanzati was sort of considered to be a free agent by a lot of teams. I had spoken with a handful of people who a couple months ago knew that he was on the table. I don't know if he just wanted a change of scenery or whatever, but I just found it interesting that, Tampa Bay and him couldn't come up with something to continue that run because he's been such a long-term presence there. And we're pulling up the comment now about Harry with Cam Lindley coming in. Lindley obviously is from Carmel, which is a, a like northwestern suburb of Indy, a hub for soccer locally, frankly. Everything that Indy has done has been really positive this offseason. The Guenzotti fit is awesome because he's a prolific goal scorer, but he also has chemistry with Juan Tejada, who they brought back as the other forward in that classic Lowry 442. Oh, the Louisville with... matchup is going to be insane. Insane this year. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even uh, think Lindley about is awesome. That. Right. That... Yeah. It's elite right now. And Louisville is wanting revenge after Indy beat them in the last matchup last season. Oh, but then um, I do want to shout out one more Gustavo Rissi coming in as a center back. He was someone with Austin Bold in 2021 who I put in my all-league team for the year. I thought he was just utterly fantastic in everything they did defensively. And you're plugging that into the Mark Lowry system. This is an indie team with a lot of stars, with a lot of big names and high-level talents. This should be the season they take that step up and really play ball in the Eastern Conference. And I might be asking questions if they don't. 
Yeah, I mean, this is on again, this is Alan saying, you know, except for football manager, it's not played on paper, but on paper, plus adding the coach that they have, this seems like a no brainer. At the very least, you can out talent other teams with this kind of roster, which gets you far enough. It gets you into eighth, <laughs> into the eighth position, which gets you in the playoffs now. And if you make it in the playoffs, you can do it. Because we look at Orange County, I know a lot of people would take the Orange County thing as Orange County bad, which, by the way, they brought back some nice signings. Also, they have a nice uh, thing coming out that's all about their youth system and the next man up. I wanted to shout that out because good on you, Orange County, for highlighting your youth academy. Um, Every team should do that. Just throwing it out there. Um, any any team that posts roster updates past five o'clock Eastern is on my shit list. <laughs> Fair enough. So um, sorry that West Coast people have to work and probably aren't on their Twitter <laughs> checking updates about signings. What John you don't work in California? That's we don't, not what we're done at three. in California. <laughs> I agree with the Orange County shout. Um, it'll be interesting to see the way they worded, like they exercised the option on Milano Lasky was an interesting f- turn of phrase. Like, I, I think that there's some there's there there's a there there there's a question there at least like we want him we're not sure but maybe it's like we're gonna exercise this but know that if someone comes calling yeah we're good to like sell them i mean that's orange county's mo right like we're looking for a transfer fee yeah right Mm -hmm. and so i I do i mean i think it's smart i think rob kiernan is a name that uh if he's healthy is is a big addition uh Mm -hmm. for oc for coming back um, yes, the last place team. Um, but I, I do think that there's there's some interesting storylines even for a last place team in the West. And I think that's why the West is so wild is that the last place team is as intriguing or actually probably more intriguing than San Antonio is at this point. Like, you know what San Antonio is. I'm not sure we know what Orange County is bringing to the table this season. And so there's some interesting uh, uh, conversations around, you know, how does Phoenix recover with a new coach? or returning coach, I guess, um, you know, you're bringing back uh, probably one of the, the, I mean, you're the golden boot boots, the golden boots winner. Uh, in Milano Lasky. Thank you. Uh, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> and, and so it'll be an interesting thing to see what orange kind of brings to the table. Cause they weren't poor last year. They just, they just weren't winning one goal games again. They were losing those one goal games. And so the, I, I do think there's some, some fun things to pay attention to in orange County, especially that well, youth that- movement. Well, that's what I was getting at with Indy, too. And we see this with Orange County. Orange County snuck into the playoffs. Um, There's no other way around it. They snuck on in. And then they, frankly, out-talented every other team. Look at the players that were on that squad. They got sold for a lot of money to a lot of good teams. And those players are floating around doing big things right now. And we want to say, well, you know, they're just not winning those one nil games, these, uh, you know, one nil, two one games anymore. That's because look at the talent they had. They just had the talent to do so. This is a league that if you sneak in, you really can just out talent other teams. Um, you know, we talk about longevity and, you know, shout out to people coming back over and over again. I mean, now McCabe being in Louisville for nine straight years is insane. You know, I was really excited 
when Legion had like five guys from the year one roster. And then you look over at Louisville where they have Nal McCabe, who's been here for nine straight years, which is insane to think about, especially as I said earlier, the league is so incestuous team, just players just come and go. Um, and talking about the exercising the right, I mean, you know, a la Zach Haravo to, um, to Tampa Bay Rowdies Legion extended his option. He declined that bad boy. Um, he said, I'm out of here. And, you know, that very well could happen. And we're also going to see other players that have accepted that option. And then other teams do come calling and get that nice little transfer fee. I think what's going to be really interesting with this league kind of moving forward this year is having that lack of uh, a lot of MLS two teams within the league, that there are so many teams that have such a good storyline moving into this season that it's a shame that someone is going to have to finish last in both conferences. Like in the years past, if it was like New York Red Bulls too, no one batted an eye at them finishing it last, but like there's going to be a team that is inevitably going to have a really good storyline entering this year that is going to fall short. And that's just going to make the season something very interesting to follow throughout the entire year. It's going to be loud. (laughs) (laughs) Vegas, uh, Vegas loses. How many is, uh, 34 times three. Can someone do quick math for me? What's uh, whatever that is, maybe one twelve, one two. Well, that's going to be the negative goal differential because they're going to have to forfeit every match without any players, none. So just forfeit every match free points. It's actually just Jose Canseco taking bat in practice, trying to hit other players while they're going around. Sir, you can't. Know. Sir, you can't use a bat on a on a soccer pitch. <laughs> Sorry, it's a this is the baseball stadium. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want to be the ref to try to tell Jose Canseco to get off the field. I I would just let him play on. Like, sorry guys, you just have to dodge the softballs. That's on y'all. <laughs> um, I do just want to throw it out there, um, because I've been keeping it in for almost an hour now. Legion did sign Tower Pasher. That's all I have to say. Who and we're on we're on to final thoughts. So um <laughs> <laughs> RGV also has already signed players, which is so not RGV of them. Congratulations, I, RGV. I could not be higher <laughs> on what RGV is doing right now. They have kept the core of that squad except for one guy. Like, and that was a playoff team, which with the playoff expansion, they're gonna be back in there. Hey. <laughs> I still don't. By the way, someone put it in there. I still don't know who in Alabama was looking up Hull City. Who in Alabama was looking up? <laughs> I'm convinced. Yeah, football reference most searched thing. I think that's where the whole city Alabama connection was coming from here. I'm convinced those are Auburn fans who got lost looking up a separate team with a tiger logo. There's a hole <laughs> in Montgomery County. There is a hole, a town in Alabama called Hull, but it also has like a thousand people living in it so if either they're all obsessed with whole city every single one of them or you might be something onto something with just auburn fans that are like tiger soccer team and they yeah, no, that's it's, the first it's one. auburn fans figuring out they're like wait there's a whole city like is there half cities or a whole city <laughs> bless them and they just can't spell whole they i mean phonetically it counts i mean whole half it works. I mean, half is like H A U F, maybe. But I guess they'd be like whole, and then they would spell it like H O I L. I'm a whole, right? Yeah. I, I hate to Nailed say it, it. but Nailed that is it. 
I hate to say it, that's how I pronounce um, oil. That that is how I pronounce. It. I do pronounce it oil, and I hate about myself. Um, and, and when you're cooking ramen, do you um, is, or is it is it bold? It uh yeah, you boil the water. Boil the water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I realized something about myself today um, at Publix, and I hate it about myself, is that I don't say the entire entire word sorry. I realize I say sar, just s a r or s o r r r, just like sar. And I, that why just never comes out. And I noticed it and I really hate myself over it, but it's fine. Stuff that Canadian Tower Pasher is going to have to get used to hearing all the time. <laughs> he is going to be in a culture shock. The moment that I walk up to him with that stupid GoPro, it's like, hey, man, you got time for an interview? He's like, we don't speak the same language. <laughs> Step well, away. He's, you're sorry. And he's sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Good. You'll have to ask him about his play on the pitch. <laughs> Just <laughs> try to drop it in there, see if he notices. Definitely would. My my southern accent, trying to say things Canadian it, in a Canadian way, just be awful. <laughs> see, see if he's found anything at you on the town. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Also, Austin, you say that. Austin, Harry, um, you say that. Um, I know that I know some of the first people that started Piggly Wiggly. They were from my hometown, so local celebrities don't disrespect my culture like that ever again, please. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, oh, look, Tyler, I kind of hate that I'm a Legion fan right now because I could say Tyler Pasher signing of the season, and then Gwenzotti gets signed the next day, and I'm like, uh, maybe no longer signing of the offseason, but man, that's a I was super excited. We are looking at possibly having a massive hole on the left. There it is. Um, a massive hole on the uh, <laughs> left <laughs> now. But, I mean, that's still a great signing. And they kept around pretty much the entire team except for, like, two strikers and Zach Haravo, which, I mean, he did get, like, very concussed. And I'm assuming that's why he didn't sign the contract. He just still doesn't. He thinks he's signed for Legion. He does not understand he's in Tampa Bay right now. I mean, if you're missing out on a couple of role players, that's not the worst thing to build off of. I think this team does need a couple of additions and needs a lot more depth to really be that dominant threat. That said, my model has Birmingham as the best team in the league by a distance, which is crazy. And that's a like, I think that's partially because of the fact that Birmingham barely played a like reasonable number of players. They were very reliant on a specific core, and that is rewarded by my style. Yeah, exactly. You're speaking to 13 people who were key to this team. So I think adding Pasture to that is dynamite. As someone who is nominally an Indy 11 fan but tries to stay neutral. He's just amazing. Like the speed he has, what he does in transition, his intensity in the press, it's going to be a real fit for this Legion team. So I'm very excited to see how they do. I mean, right now it's looking at that, you know, left wing area and being like, well, because technically we still have Marlon, but we don't have Marlon. Um, so, but again, more news on that coming out later. But I, there's a lot of teams we didn't discuss today. We are very well aware that, you know, that 
League One didn't get enough love, but also our League One people aren't here. So we're we're sorry. Um, hey, W League teams are having their open tryouts right now, which is making me very excited. Um, a lot of League One and Championship teams are having their open tryouts, which is also very exciting. We're starting to get to that real countdown to, you know, hey, we are getting to friendlies and we're about to see 17 trialists score goals and we're going to have no idea who they are. And yet we're still going to be mindlessly excited about it. And I can't wait. So does anybody have any final thoughts on the USL and what that all is? Um, Colorado Springs, El Paso, Sacramento, Oakland, uh, Miami, Pittsburgh, uh, Memphis, Tulsa, Charleston, Detroit, Charleston. There we go. We mentioned everybody. So that's my rant. That's my final thought is just catching up the teams that we, we didn't mention. You guys are doing great, honey. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You're can, I hit on ins- can I hit on some instant takes there? Go, go for yeah, it. Go. Liking a lot what Tulsa's doing. Mm-hmm. They're kind of looking outside the league, but it's interesting. And I've watched, watched a lot of tape of really stupid like college players that they're getting. I'm into it. I'm low on everything else. I think Colorado Springs is just getting some journeymen that aren't going to hit. And they haven't announced Galena or Elvis Amo, and that's a big deal. Oakland has lost all of their big difference makers and brought in a couple of 22-year-olds and on that. Pittsburgh might crave them. That's true. Yeah, they are a sporting club, which I, that was news to me. That was a I very they have embarrassing, a embarrassing situation. I think they have a tennis and a wrestling team. I think that's what makes them a sporting club. Crazy. I mean, very cool, very cool that they're representing Oakland. Like Dame Lillard was rocking Oakland Roots gear tonight as he was going to the game. More power to you, but crazy. <laughs> and then one more shout that my projections have Pittsburgh second to last in the East right now. Like they've lost Cicerone, they've lost Dixon. I think that Dane Kelly probably will be out the door given that he just didn't play at all in the playoffs. I've heard about a couple other players that have signed elsewhere. Tough look for Bob Lilly right now, but he has a way of pulling it off. So we'll see what gives. And he gets you to the playoffs, which I mean, for the talent that they appears that they have retained should be enough to finish eighth. But, you know, eventually you're seeing these, you're seeing a massive amount of players leave Pittsburgh, not be as good after they leave Pittsburgh. And everybody says, see, look at Bob Lilly's doing, you know, Lilly ball is going strong, you know, right into the first round where he doesn't do anything afterwards. And I know we can also say, well, you know, they're one bad offsides call away from beating Louisville and going to the finals, but they're also a keeper going the wrong way in the match beforehand from being bounced in the first first round again i i am so out on lily ball right now it's ridiculous i i understand that pony is going to be mad at me and he is going to be blowing up my dms telling me that lily ball is the truth but they like you said they're hemorrhaging players right now and i haven't seen enough to be like yeah i believe frankly and grand we don't know the players i get it but for what they want to be if we're taking two defensive teams and say who's going to put out the best defensive team, I'd take Detroit City. 
easily would take Detroit City right now. Um, Amu Mensa back? Come on. Yeah. I and, and listen, Detroit City fans, I've noticed a little bit more. Um, listen, I mean, I've we've noticed a, a lot more uh, Detroit City fans starting to freak out a little bit over the lack of signings because this is the first year of being fully immersed in the USL and realizing that if you're not signing early, you are so late. And because in Nisa, I mean, you could wait a while. Admittedly, you could. And the championship is not working. Hey, Detroit City fans, it's okay. You'll be okay. I promise. Unless you want you to not be okay, then that's your own prerogative. That's on you. But, but let's not pretend that teams have, like, they've already signed people. They're just waiting to announce them. You know what I mean? Like, there's probably people that have already signed on the dotted line that are like, we're not going to announce this until January because we want to stretch out our social media engagements <laughs> until we get closer to the season. Right. And so there's a little bit of that too. Like teams play some games with some of this stuff. So like, again, like be patient and you know, you're not winning or losing a championship in December. You're if you don't sign that one guy, right. This is like, the madness of baseball hot stove, right? It's like people have signed already and they're slowly leaking stuff out. Like that's a very real possibility. Now, if they don't then start freaking out. Um, but you know, at, at least if, if John's prediction comes true with Pittsburgh, then we're going to get a lot more of Bob Lilly throwing fits on the sideline memes. So I'm Which all is... for that as well. Like <laughs> I, I beg anybody listening to this to go up to your if your team has beaten Bob Lilly at home recently and you're not a Pittsburgh fan, I beg of you to go up to your groundskeeper and ask for a Bob Lilly story because they have one. Oh Lord, do they have one? My favorite one is out of Atlanta. Um, obviously nobody's going to Atlanta too anymore, but if you happen to be around ATL two and want to watch MLS uh, Pro match, if you are into that. Um, listen, their groundskeeper gave me an awesome story about Bob Lilly. It's in, there are some great ones. There are some just absolutely beautiful ones. What John got in gift form was only a I just, I just retweeted it because <laughs> it's, it's the best thing I've ever tweeted. It's so funny. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it so much. Um, uh, but yeah, look, there's again, there's a lot of teams we haven't talked about. There are, We'll talk more. This is just the instant reaction, basically. We're talking about the teams that have done a lot. There's a lot of teams that have made a lot of signings, but it's like, guess who's coming home? And it's like, okay, great. You brought them back. Like, awesome. Proud of you. Um, we're, we'll, we have a long offseason, and we promise we'll talk about your team. And if we don't, it's because they're not doing anything interesting, and that's not our fault. Sorry about it. I feel so, like we hit, like, a lot of teams tonight, so we're yeah. doing well. We're trying. We're doing our best. It's um, your fault if we don't hit you. <laughs> yeah, it's your fault. I will victim blame you. I'm not afraid. Um, um, again, shout out to uh, Phoenix Rising for sponsoring this club or for sponsoring this podcast. You're welcome, Phoenix. Um, another reminder, by the way, if you stop seeing these episodes, show up into your Spotify, Apple Podcast, whatever. Audible. Some people listen on Audibles. Thank you. Um, you know, if you don't see us in those feeds, look us up. Um, anyway, look into the search, search engine search bar. There may be a new USL show account that is posting our podcast. 
um just some behind the scenes stuff really doesn't matter nothing's changing except the location that's being pushed out same name everything just check for that um final thoughts ryan uh, a week from today, I'll actually be in Birmingham. So uh, looking forward to meeting you prior to um, the uh, Birmingham uh, ECU bowl game when I'm there. Are we gonna Are we gonna do a live show from the truck? <laughs> we can do. Uh, I think it depends what I'm doing for a pregame. I'm getting there uh, day of the game, so I'll keep you posted on my uh, whereabouts. But <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. Hit me up for some top golf. Anyway, <laughs> John. So last week I took a day. I was supposed to be working. I got paid as if I was working, but I watched all three Godfather movies. Yeah. I have never seen a single Godfather movie. <laughs> Let me tell you, they are good. Not the third <laughs> one. Sofia Coppola, go watch anything she's directed. She ruins the third Godfather, but I know it's wrote. Godfather might be a decent film. Wow, hot takes only today. Hot. <laughs> um, which is better, Godfather 3 or Jurassic Park 3? This is tough. I would take <laughs> Jurassic Park 3, but... Really? Yeah. Okay. All right, fair enough. Alan? Uh, yeah, so first off, if you live in a place that gets cold, be, please be safe. Uh, stay indoors if you need to. Uh don't try to prove that you can survive a Minnesota winter. Uh, just stay indoors, drink a beer, uh, and so you can you can survive. Um, I mean, I guess if people are talking about things that they're they're watching, uh, I just recently saw Ben Delacreme and Jinx Monsoon's Christmas special uh, in person, and it was phenomenally hilarious. Uh, there's a a version of it, I think, on Hulu. It's like they're an older version, but if you're looking for something a little bit campy and ridiculous, but also kind of in the Christmas spirit, it's a little bit adult themed because it's drag queens. Why not? Um, and so I'm also looking forward to uh, episode, uh, season 15 of RuPaul's Drag Race starting in January 6th. So that's going to get me through the rest of the off season into into soccer. Uh, so those are my recommendations. I love camp, and this is nothing better than that. Love it, love it. Um, I just got back from Minnesota not too long ago. Um, awesome. Uh, people who live in Minnesota, jealous, like super jealous. I love that city. I thought I was going to hate it. Um, I thought it was just going to be cold and miserable and I adored it. Even in the middle of the winter, it was awesome. So shout out Minnesota. Um, shout out Minneapolis. I mean, they said it was a, a city they can drive across in 20 minutes and I was like, okay. And then lo and behold, we drove across that whole city in 20 minutes. It takes me... 20 minutes to go about a mile in Birmingham. So I don't know what Minnesota did to make it so drivable, but shout out to that. Everybody should do that. I don't know what they did, but do it. Just fix it, people. Um, and, oh, I normally do uh, music recommendations. And this one comes from Oakland Sporting Club's uh, communications director, uh, Tommy. And he gave me a music recommendation. And it and I listen to it, love it, and it is uh, Brahms uh, String Quartet Number One C Minor. Um, if you, it's kind of like Beethoven Five, but for string quartet. It kind of has the same vibe. Um, Alan hates it. I liked it. I, I'm normally not a Brahms guy. Actually, 
kind of despise Brahms, but I enjoyed this. It was a pleasant listen. So give it a listen. Oh, my beef is just like everyone thinks that Beethoven's Fifth Symphony is his best one, but seven is is far superior. Love seven, adore eight. Um, did you not? Re- did you not tweet something about a Dvorak symphony earlier? Yeah, crazy. No, no, I did. Um, I was at a. I was listening. I was at a coffee shop while I was waiting to pick up my grandmother from hospital. She's fine. It was just an appointment. Um, and at the coffee shop and they were just playing Christmas music and it was just on somebody's playlist because they were getting emails in the middle of it and it was chiming in randomly. So it was just on somebody's phone and in the middle of it, Dvorak cello concerto just started playing. So somebody thinks that Dvorak cello concerto is Christmas music. It's not, but it was a banger. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a top two for sure. That and Elgar cello concerto. Those are like the best one is the one you've re- listened to most recently. But yeah, Dvorak Cello Concerto, like money. Elgar Cello Concerto, money. Like I, I agree. Those are those are good listens. Dvorak Cello Concerto is great because it doesn't suck to be in the symphony for. Because there's other concertos that are just like, hi, that we're getting to the part of the episode that no one cares about, but I do. Um, if you're playing a concerto, which is just basically fancy music talk for that guy has a solo. Um, and if that guy or girl has a solo, usually the music you're playing sucks. But Dvorak said, no, 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 we're not doing that. We won't make the soloist play until like 10 minutes in. And the rest of the rest of the symphony is just going to play awesome music. And it's great. It's a wonderful listen. It's like uh, it's like France is like the typical concerto. Just like you watch Mbappe and then he does amazing things like the Dvorak cello concerto is like Morocco. Like everyone playing as a team, there's like some really nice moments and some really nice players, but there's no like amazing star that everyone just like kicks it to and stays out of the way. So there's our soccer reference in comparison to the Dvorak wow. cello concerto versus normal concerto. Congratulations, we did make it soccer. Thank you, Alan, for making it soccer because I was about to dive into a rabbit hole and no one cared about. Can I plug? Can I plug one other thing? Yeah, <laughs> I have. Uh, what, 24 Photoshops locked and loaded based on Santa hats and USL players. I've got rationales. So be ready for the shitpost of the year coming soon from USL Tactics. I love it. That, like, players with random outfits on, and my favorite one, I know it's everybody's favorite, but I live for USL Valentine's Day cards. I absolutely live for those. (laughs) My favorites. Um, random, like, let me tell you. Yeah, uh, was it yesterday? Two days ago, yesterday, um, I went and watched uh, the the big like shootout with Santa that Legion did, which was awesome. It was a fantastic yeah. event. But seeing thirty six year old Matt Van Okel, who is still a starting goalkeeper in the USL, dressed up in a full Santa costume and just saving shots on kids. There was an eight-year-old girl, maybe nine, who put this ball top corner, and he full dove out, picked it out of the corner, put it out for a hypothetical corner, and just stared her down. There were no free shots going in against him, and it was incredible content. I wish I got a video of it. <laughs> but listen, we this is about to get just ridiculous, so <laughs> we, we should probably just call this. Um, thank you guys so much for listening and listening to this entire waffling that was. Um, hey, if you liked it, shared it, 
uh, like it, do the thing, give it five stars, which might be worthless if we're on a different streaming platform. But what if we're not? Do it anyway for the Christmas spirit. And I think happy third night of Hanukkah. So shout out to my friends. And uh, for the last time tonight, Q Allen's voice. Thank you for watching another episode of the USL Show. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find podcasts and other written work at bgn.fm. Once again, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you guys again next week.